Good afternoon, Endicott. My name is Shannon. And I'm Megan, and you're listening to Flick Chicks on EC Radio at Endicott College. On this here new recording day, Monday, even though we're filming this on Friday, um, we will be going into an investigation into a classic movie trope, the femme fatale. Also, we'll be exploring another week in pop culture, including Harry Styles' new movie role, oh, Chris Evans' scandalous pictures, and a Netflix star's recent arrest. And at the end of this episode, Shannon will give us her review of the movie Gone Girl. But first, let's hear about this week's pop culture update. Boy, oh boy, do we have some good news this week. Um, where do I begin? Okay. So let's talk about Olivia Wilde first. So we know Olivia Wilde from a variety of movies. She is an actress. Mm -hmm. But uh, last year, 2019, I believe, she released her first movie, her directorial debut, Booksmart, which got a lot of praise. It was a great movie. Um, And so now she is doing a second movie called Don't Worry, Darling. So apparently this film is pretty mysterious. Not a lot of people or people don't really know what it's about. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is it's a thriller set in the 1950s in California. So that sounds pretty Hollywood, pretty spicy. Very exciting. But wait, that's not all. So Olivia Wilde is directing this film and she's also playing a supporting role. But the remaining cast is still pretty exciting. So far, we have Chris Pine, Florence Pugh. And the one and only Harry Styles. Flickchick's fave. Flickchick's fave. And let me just say, he's also replacing Shia LaBeouf. That's which an I interesting think is energy. Very interesting. I'm wondering what kind of character this is going to be. Have you seen the leaked pictures of the script? I have not. They leaked this one picture, and it was, like, of, like, a very intimate scene. <gasps> and it was, like, in the movie script, and people were freaking out, because they are like, Harry's going to say that. Oh, my God. Well, see, and, um... This is, like, exciting, right? Because Harry has not been in a film since Dunkirk, which was a couple of years ago. Right. And that was, like, he was playing a soldier. He was, like, a spicy soldier. French. So I'm wondering, like, what role he's going to play and, like, if it's going to be, like, on brand for him or if it's going to really show his acting chops. Another thing I'm really excited about is... So, Little Women came out in 2019. You know, we got Florence Pugh and Timothy Chalamet... With a little romance in there, but now a, a hypothetical Florence and Harry situation. Florence stays winning. Go off, always. Girl. She really kills it, and she's so beautiful. And I cannot wait she to has see the her. Audacity to date Zach Braff. I know. She gets to kiss like the most wanted men in Hollywood, and she dates Zach Braff. It's a choice, Florence. Forty-five-year-old Zach Braff. Yeah, maybe he has a good personality. Um, I don't know about that, Chief. (laughs) Anyway, so that's the exciting news. Don't worry, darling. We'll be coming out uh, soon. Maybe in 2021, probably. probably a little year. yeah. Um, Because I don't think... If they're just putting Harry in, they probably haven't started filming yet. Right, yeah. If they just switched him out, they're probably still, like, adapting. we're excited. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. So, in other movie-related news, uh, Netflix just dropped their new film, The Devil All the Time. Um, So, there's been... A mix of reviews. People have been really excited about this movie, specifically because of the cast. Mm-hmm. So this film is about like a, sm- a young southern boy in his small southern town. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I know, uh, having not watched it. And I think that's all you need to know. Right. Uh, what you do. What What's really important is the cast: Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, 
Sebastian Stan, Bill Skarsgård, and also, let us not forget, Jake Gyllenhaal is on the producing cast. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, Shannon already watched this. Yeah. So, uh, let me just give some disclaimers to anyone looking to watch this movie. Um, First of all, if you're going in for a Robert Pattinson thirst watch, be prepared to be disappointed. His character is not someone you can thirst over, so it's going to be a disappointing experience for you. But Tom Holland, on the other hand, now that, that was the, that's (laughs) That's, what got me through. That's a thirst experience. That was. That was really the, he was in his prime in that movie, southern accent. The plot is also not what it looks like in the trailer. It's way different than what it's like portrayed as in the trailer so interesting yeah i i i didn't love it but i i recommend watching it it's like a good fun experience i don't know if you guys watched uh the devil of the time let us That's know on our think. flick chicks instagram at ec flick chicks yeah. maybe we'll do a little post if i watch it this week yeah i'm curious but i'd see love to think. see what everyone thinks so moving away from movie news some interesting pictures leaked of chris evans this week mm. um this is hilarious. So apparently Chris Evans put an Instagram story on his Instagram of a video of him and his friends like playing a game or something. But it, it was a screen recording type deal. So at the very end of the video, it exits out of the video and you see Chris Evans' camera roll in which there was an inappropriate picture of Chris Evans. Um, or we're, we're assuming it was Chris Evans, and I'm pretty sure he, yeah, he came admitted, out and admitted it, that it was yeah. him. Um, Good for him. So, yeah, a, a, you know, a nude picture of Chris Evans was out on the internet for a while. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Evans did come out, and he talked about this. And he thought he, it was funny. Yeah, he was like, I think he was embarrassed, but he was like, what you know, LOL. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's out of the open. And uh, I think a lot of his fans were really supportive. Of course, there's trolls that are going right. to make comments, but... I think everyone was pretty supportive about it. Overall, I just think it's hilarious and so embarrassing. Did you see Jamie Lee Curtis, like, tweeted at him and she was, like, because he tweeted, well, now that I have your attention, go vote. Oh, yeah. And she responded, like, that's my boy, because they were uh, mom and son and knives out. So sweet. You know, let's just hope that Chris Evans can keep his private pictures private from now on. I also think if you look at that screenshot, if you can find it on Twitter, you probably can. Yeah. There's some interesting pictures on his camera roll besides that. Really? I think he has a few memes of himself saved. I yeah, he has a lot of pictures of himself, yeah. which, like, I guess makes sense if when you're, famous. you're you. Like, I have a lot of pictures of myself on my right. camera roll. But I guess it seems weird to me because he's famous. famous. And he also had, like, he fully has, like, the iOS 4 set up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He hasn't updated his phone in, like, five I'm years. I'm like, Chris Evans has an Android? Yeah, Jesus. Humble King. So next we have um, some some very interesting and upsetting news, actually. So I don't know how many of you watched the docuseries Cheer last year. I watched most of it. Shannon watched all of it. Uh, follows a cheer team in uh, Navarro, Texas. Navarro, Texas, sure. Um, So some disturbing news came out this week about one of the show's fan favorites named Jerry. So apparently the 21-year-old was arrested this week on charges of child pornography. Uh, According to the New York Times, Jerry had asked 10 to 15 minors for explicit pictures of themselves. Uh. Um, Terrible. Yeah. Not expecting that at you all. You know what's funny is me and my friends just rewatched Cheer. Like, not we just finished rewatching not even, like, four days ago. And this news dropped, like, yesterday. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 
Like, what? 2020, I've had it. No. I know. That's really awful. I know, because Jerry was everyone's favorite. Like, I know, Jerry and he seemed so kind. Yeah. But... Uh, you, never not, you never know. You never know what's going on in Corsicana, Texas. Yeah, so he was arrested, which, you know, is yeah. good. So yeah, I so guess we'll see what happens with that yeah, if we we'll get any updates. That story. All right, so lastly, to wrap up this update, I just wanted to take a quick look at Kanye West. Mm-hmm. As I was searching through the news, um, I saw some interesting things. So I don't know if we've talked too much about Kanye on this show before, but, uh, you know, there's a lot to discuss. He's mm-hmm. been in the news pretty frequently. So most recently, he was banned from Twitter for a day for posting a video of him urinating on his Grammy, like, in the toilet. Wait, recently? Yes. This was, like, a few days ago. A whole Kanye. So I'm just wondering, like, why? Is he good? So they, and they banned him from Twitter for a day. Okay, well, that feels a little extreme. What, banning him? Yeah. Why? That's inappropriate. I mean, yeah, but he didn't show anything, did he? No, but, like, I don't know. They need to keep Kanye in check. I think Kanye's a little mentally ill. Uh, I um, think he's super mentally ill. I think he needs to take some time out of the spotlight. The whole I was actually watching um, in my intro to theater class. I was watching the a video of his set designer talking about like Kanye's like thoughts on how he wants to design his sets, and he was saying like he literally was like, "I want to be Jesus. Like, put me up on a pedestal. Like, I am Jesus." So, he is. Not doing well. Yeah, and so I I saw a a headline about how Kim Kardashian is, like, at the end of her rope with him. Oh, really? And their marriage is already pretty rocky. Um, I just think it's unfortunate because don't they have, like, four kids? Yeah, there's, like, Saint, North. They have terrible names, Yeah. Oh, no, I like Northwest. That's a cute name. That's so dumb. I like it, though. But anyway, I think it's just depressing. Um, Yeah, hopefully he gets the help he needs. I think he's going through it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a meme Mm -hmm. at first, but, like, it gets to the point where, like, Someone take care Someone of Kanye. Help Kanye. Someone take his phone away. Yeah, Kim for needs sure. to go shut off the Wi-Fi router. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> on that on that happy note, let's move on to our topic. Yeah, indeed. Um, this week's topic is the femme fatale. Now, let's talk about what we think of when we first hear the word femme fatale. Megan, what, what do you think of? Um, you know, I usually think of a couple things. One image that came right to me when thinking about this topic was Anne Hathaway, mm. which, you know, could go either way because she's been in a variety of movies. I specifically think of her in Ocean's 8, which came out recently, and then also as Catwoman. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I think of... More, I don't really think of a specific person when I think femme fatale, but I think of, like, a, like, leather bodysuit and, like, yeah. you know, female with mysterious And she probably, like, wears red lipstick and Right, she's has, really like, a short, sexy. cute haircut. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she has a bob. Yeah, she has a cute bob. She wears heels. Yeah, something, she, when she walks, her outfit squeaks because it's, like, Oh, like yeah, everyone's that. afraid of her. Yeah. She probably has, like, a little slow-mo yeah. moment in her movie. It's kind of like in um, Scooby-Doo, the live-action second movie, um, <laughs> when Velma dresses up in her fully latex <gasps> Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. I didn't think I would, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I envision when I think of Femme Fatale. Well, I love that. <laughs> um, you know, so let's talk about the actual de- definition of Femme Fatale. So I did a little Google search, and it comes up with this. This is on Google. 
quote, an attractive and seductive woman, especially one who will bring disaster to a man who becomes involved with her, end quote. Now, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I like that specifically they point out that she must be someone who brings disaster to men. I kind of, that's kind of like, it's funny because that's kind of what, like, TikTok culture is introducing, like, with kill yeah, all men. Yeah, kill all men. Like, and you know, <laughs> we, we, we won't get into, yeah. like, the our opinions on that whole right. thing. That's not what this episode is. But I love the, I love that trope of like, oh yeah, she's trouble. Yeah, she's you know? a dangerous woman. But you know, this is an interesting definition and we'll get into this later as mm-hmm. we keep talking about this topic. But I think it's like interesting that that's a specific definition, definition because I feel like what from what I've seen, there's a lot more tropes that are being followed yeah. that go past that and make it a little more like not fun. Right, and it's, you know? it's funny because, like, I feel like putting men in the definition of femme, like, fatale is just not... That's so true. Like, it cancels out. That doesn't pass the Bechdel test, and I'm yeah. not vibing with that. Yeah. So, I mean, on the surface, the definition makes me giggle, and I think it's funny yeah. and, like, great, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, bring bring disaster, disaster. to men. Yeah. Why not? What a woman. But, you know... Well, we'll get into that. I think that. we've probably moved a little bit in modern day from that definition. Yeah. Um, so, some some famous femme fatales. Yeah, if you're still a little confused. <laughs> yeah, the first one for me that comes to mind is Black Widow. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't even yeah. think of her. Because she's kind of, like, doing her uh, own thing, keeping up with the That's going to be great. I can't wait to have this, this conversation because yeah. I, like, when we picked femme fatale, I was not expecting to get into it the way I did. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so also I think Angelina Jolie in probably any movie she's ever been in, mm-hmm. I don't think she's ever played like a ugly, like right. sweatpant wearing character. She's always nice. been like. But even when she is that character, she's still she's like the still femme the femme fatale. fatale. Um, so this movie I haven't actually seen, but mm-hmm. you know, when I was doing research, Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct, yeah. that whole movie is, you that know, was like her a cultural reset. messing with that guy. Yeah. And, you know, the iconic scene where she uncrosses her legs and all yeah, that. Yeah, the interrogation. Um, and then also, for some reason, Nicole Kidman just, like, makes sense to me. Okay. I, maybe Big Little Lies, like, comes to mind a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Big Little Lies. Would you consider them femme fatales, though? Because they do kill, like, spoilers, but they do kill, like, a man, but... I think they are femme fatales, but in a more like suburban modern, way. Yeah, modern Yeah, they, you know, they're kind of breaking the boundaries right. of what we expect a femme fatale to be. Right. Okay. Because That's they have... They're All like right. moms. Let's just get yeah. into it. Let's get into this. So, you know... When I was doing this research for, for femme fatales, at first I was like, oh, femme fatales are so cool. They're, like, spicy ladies. They have their lives together, etc. But when I started looking into who I thought was a femme fatale, I was like, how many of these characters are actually dynamic? Right. You know, like... They're kind of sad. They are sad, and they're, like, just, like, these cardboard cutouts of, like, a sexy lady, and it's like, right. oh, well... You know, she's really hot and she's going to cause a lot of problems in my life because she won't, like, I can't seduce her as easily as I want to. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much what a lot of femme fatales are. And I think the earlier femme fatales, like, especially Uma Thurman and Kill Bill comes to mind, like, written by men. In Tarantino movies especially, you have a lot of femme fatales. I mean... Yeah, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Right. And then he also has um, that other suit. I think it's like Jackie something. 
Yeah, it's like these women that, like, you know, they have a story, but, like, their main point is they're the object of a man's desire or, you know, they're quirky, but they're unattainable completely. And they have no, like, you know, authentic features. Right. Like, you know, women can be beautiful and be edgy and all that stuff, but we can also be... Have personal. Yeah, you know, we can also be sad and cry and wear sweatpants and eat a lot of food and be disgusting. Right, it's interesting because when I think about, like, the bride in Kill Bill, she's very, like... And it makes sense, like, given her backstory, like, but she's very, like, closed off, like, cold. Like, there's not really a personality there other than, like, just the, like, getting revenge. So yeah, and I think, I forget her name completely in Pulp Fiction, but Uma Thurman's oh, character. Oh, uh, yeah. She, from what I remember, like, she's also a little, like, on the fence, a little yeah. closed off, a little, like, more of a prop to the men around right. her. Right, she's a prop to Marcellus Wallace, like, she is Yeah, his, like, exactly. Dependent. And so that's, like, kind of where I'm at with this whole femme fatale topic, is that, like, you know... We've gotten to the point, I feel like the origins of a femme fatale was the the old 40s and 50s movies, mm-hmm. black and white, and they come out with the big hats and the red yeah. lipstick. But, you know, another image that comes to mind is the end of the movie when they have those kissing scenes and the guy just kisses her and her neck is, like, stretched up to the sky and she's just being, like, attacked yeah. by the mouth with kisses. And I'm like, okay, what happened? I thought she was, like, cool. I thought she took right. charge. And here we are with this man suddenly, like, okay, well. He melted her heart. I caught her. Right. Now, I, I yeah, I, I melted down her her cool facade, and now she's just mine. She's domesticated. I broke the Exactly. And woman. I just, I hate that so much. Yeah. And so, like, when we talk about um, Big Little Lies, mm. It's, like, that's kind of breaking the boundaries a little right. bit, you know? You're, um, or, like, I don't know if you watched Dead to Me, but... Mm, I did, are, I did. These are women, like, middle-aged women, yeah. shall I say, that do not hide that they're middle-aged. I mean, they look fantastic. Right. But they're middle-aged women who have families. They're caretakers. Right. They work, for the most part. And they also destroy men's lives a little bit sometimes right. and they are but not even destroy men's lives in it's a like self-defense so. yeah it's not it's a defensive way or it's men that you know are right. terrible right it's almost become more about like it's less about the femme fatale as like a solo being as much as like the femme fatale is like a group like project yeah like in both big little lies and dead to me they're both like reliant on the other females in their lives because that's like sort of that's the only way you can do a femme fatale, mm. really, without having to rely on the man part right. of it. Because, like, that's, like, what her main feature is, is that she causes trouble with boys. I mean, I guess you could technically, like, have loopholes there, like, Regina George, maybe, is right. more women-focused. But, like, right. I think they, they're stronger in numbers. Right, and I think I think, honestly, it's probably scarier, like for men in cinema because, like, they don't... At the end of the femme fatale story in the early years, it was always, like, she gets, you know, conquered by the man, and then she's, like, oh, ready to be a housewife. And now it's, like, they're already housewives, and they're, like, reliant on the women Yeah, in exactly. So... And, like, I mean, that, this brings up the question also of, like, you know, how men write women, right. you know, and, like, what what they're being used for. I mean, we talked about diversity last week, 
um, with the Oscar stuff. Mm. So it's, like, really a question of, like, if you're going to put these types of characters in your movies, like, you have to write them accurately. Right. You can't write women just to be, like, only props, you know? Yeah, I mean, some characters... Bad. Exactly. Like, some characters are like that. They're just, right. like, used for plot, but, like... You can't have all your women characters or all your ethnic characters be plot devices. Right, be side characters who are, like, no personality, no character building. Exactly, like, they need to be dynamic. And it's funny because nowadays, like, what comes to mind is, like, John Green, you can see the weathered-down traits of the femme fatale in, like, all his female characters. this is a huge parallel. Yeah. The femme fatale and the manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. are one and the same. So if, if you don't know what a manic pixie dream girl is... Um, it is kind of a, a John Green-esque character, a, a young girl character who, she's kind of like a fairy. She, yeah. she is hard to catch. She's quirky. She's weird. She's unobtainable, mm-hmm. but she's beautiful. And the men and are obsessed free. with her and they can never catch her. Right. So it's like the femme fatale and the manic pixie dream girl are the same. They are the same thing. They are these unattainable women mm-hmm. that you know, are passed off as authentic by being given these, like, special details to their personalities. Right. So, like, say Paper Towns by John Green. You know, Margot Margo is given these qualities, like, oh, she likes Walt Whitman poetry. Right. And, oh, she wants to go to the, um, to SeaWorld at night, you know? But that's not a personality, you know? Yeah. We don't know what her feelings are. We don't know what her life is like. Right. We don't know, like, you know, we know that the protagonist of Paper Towns is in love with her. Right. But do we really know how she feels about him? No. No, we never find out. Because she runs away. She's like, bye. Yeah, because she's unattainable. And I mean, that's how it is in Looking for Alaska as well. Yeah, in that, Looking for Alaska, and I think Paper Towns, I don't exactly remember how it ended, but they really tie into the, like, the femme fatale can only end in tragedy. Yeah. Like, way of life. It's like either they're domesticated and fall in love with the protagonist, or they're destroyed completely. Right, which is why I think the new take is so interesting, because it shows, like, like, Big Little Eyes, like, season two shows, like, the repercussions of being a femme fatale and, like, the falling out and, like, the rebuilding by themselves, yeah. which is interesting. And so I, I have a question for you. So mm. I never finished Girls. Okay. But, oh, what was her name? The girl, the blonde girl, the British one. Oh, um, it starts with a J. I'm totally blanking as well, though. Oh, Jessa. 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 So she was kind of a femme fatale, yeah. but you watched her... I don't know what happens to her throughout, but, like, it seemed like we were following a track of watching the repercussions of her actions. You know, she's trying to run away. She can't be tied down. She's doing these crazy things, but you see her grow more and more unhappy. Yeah. And so then you kind of have to watch her decide, like, how am I going to live my life? Like, what are my priorities? It's interesting that, yeah, you're so, you're right, because I remember there was this one, there was this one scene in Girls where... Um, they were talking about, um, how they knew Jessa in college, and they were like, oh, she was the girl who would, like, dance half-naked in rain boots, like, in the quad when it was, like, pouring out, and, like, that's so, like, femme fatale slash pixie dream girl, but, like, she was deeply, deeply unhappy, like, she was always in rehab, Exactly, and, like, that's what is missing from so many of these arcs, is, like, taking out the part where their lifestyle makes them unhappy, or taking out the part where they have more complex emotions than just, I'm a sexy lady, look at me do these weird things. Right, it's, and it's, it's interesting. I wonder why 
men are so drawn to the femme fatale role because if you go to any comic-con and there's like a girl and like a little femme fatale get like she's poison ivy like like the not to like uh generalize but a lot of guys are like damn like yeah hell yeah i kind of think like well i mean obviously the femme fatale figures are sexy Sex- and oh, of course yeah, that is like a sexy. that's a an appeal right but i also think there's some sort of um desire to be had for not just women but people in general right. that are hard to attain right you know okay people love the chase they love to you know try to get someone's attention mm-hmm. and you know, feel special when they get that attention. Right. Like, a lot of these tropes, I feel like, start out with, uh, especially with Pixie Dreamgirls, um, it starts out with a nerdy type of protagonist that, you know, oh, like, ooh, I'm a nerd and no girl's ever going to like me. I memorize dead people's last words. Yeah, and, like, I'm weird. And then this girl suddenly pays attention to him and suddenly his world is turned upside down. And I think that's what a lot of men... But also people in general really want, you know, you want to be felt, you want to feel special. Right. And I guess, yeah, because with girls, like, Jessa, it was never so much about, like, the kind of guys who were attracted to her life. It was about how Hannah and, like, their whole friend group were, like, drawn to her because the femme fatale doesn't just attract men. She attracts She attracts women, women too, too, because women, like, want to be her. Yeah, they want to be her or be with her. Like, they just like that powerful energy. But you know what's interesting is a thought I just had, you know, maybe women want to be her because you don't see the emotions. I think a lot of women put themselves down for being emotional or breaking under pressure or not, you know, going up to the standards that they Mm -hmm. set for themselves or society sets for them. So a lot of times we want to be femme fatales because they don't show weakness like that. You know, you might be, um, oh, is it Mia? Mia Wallace? Yeah. You might be Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction and, you know, like have a heart attack or something. Yeah. But, you know, she comes back. Right. She, you she know? survived and she's chilling. And, she's you know, chilling. she dances in the club and she does her thing and she's so cool. So, like, you know, women almost want that escape of, like, right. oh, I want to be that girl. I want to be noticed. Right. And then the big thing with femme fatale is also, like, drug use is also a huge thing. And it's, like, oh, yeah. which can't be good, like, sending a good influence. No, you know? it's not. And I think, like, I don't know. I think... We, you know, we've gone on this whole tangent about, like, the problems with femme fatale. So now I'm wondering, like, you know, how do we fix this? How do we right. keep having these edgy female characters Without, while still having them be authentic? I think it's funny because it's, it's so ingrained into our culture. Like, when you think about Eve, like, from Adam and Eve, like, she was a femme fatale. She was a bad girl. <gasps> oh, like, yeah. And, like, I posted on our Flickchicks account, Cleopatra. Yeah. She was a femme fatale. But she, you know, these are, well... Eve, real or not. Yeah, yeah. Cleopatra, though, was a real woman. Right. And, I mean, she's defined a lot by the men in her life. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Caesar and uh, yeah. Mark Antony or whatever. Right. But she was a real person, and she had, like, real desires and stuff. And so, like, if we emphasize that... Right. Because I think what's been happening... Like, Marilyn Monroe's another one. And I feel like back in her time, it was very, like... Oh, is she with JFK? Like, oh, she's so... Look at her in that... Oh, standing over that. Great. And now when we reflect back on her, it's more of a, like, well, look at all this stuff she did. Like, recently there was yeah. a strong history on her and how she, like, befriended this, like, jazz singer. It's showing, like, the human side of her, which is really nice to see. Yeah, I think that's, like, the important part is pulling out the the other things. Right. The, the stuff apart from the scandal and the spice right. and the whatever, you know, trying to find that, like, human or disturbed part of these characters. Because I think all girls, like, real or characters, like, 
have a, a piece of femme fatale in them. It's just like whether or not like your emotions like outweigh that sometimes like what's portrayed yeah and like you know it's all about your priorities and what you're comfortable with and right but yeah everyone has those I think it's all about confidence it's like what you feel you're most confident in I mean you could put on a a cute little black dress and walk down the street and you you're your femme fatale but you could also be you know like going to a poetry slam with your little nerd glasses, but you tell this great story and that's your femme fatale. And so it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for everyone. You know? Yeah. And so you kind of have to explore those different options instead of just going for that stereotypical black leather, you know, long bad hair, girl. bad girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think, you know, another thing Bay Little Lies did is what we were just talking about. Because you don't look at Reese Witherspoon, you're like, ooh, like, femme fatale, like, look at her in her mom's yeah. sweater and Pilates outfit. But it's like, Big Little Lies said, no, you know what, she is a femme fatale. She yeah. is a bad girl. And you know she's a femme fatale because we can't swear, but she's a B word, you yeah, know? She's, she's, yeah, she, she goes she for it. And, like, you know, but she's flawed. She yeah. is, like, inevitably flawed. And right. I think that's, like, the best part of her character is that she she's flawed and she knows it and right. she tries to fix it sometimes. Right, and they acknowledge that and they show her flaws. Yeah. You know. Well. Wow. <laughs> I love this. I love this episode. So, speaking of femme fatales, I think it's time we roll into the review of the week, which is Gone Girl, directed by David Fincher. Megan, have you seen Gone Girl? I have seen Gone Girl. Okay, good. So, it's based on a novel by Gillian Flynn, who also wrote Sharp Objects, which is another fantastic uh, femme fatale. Sharp Objects is so, so good. good. So good. Shout out Emma, um, one of the best female characters. Amy Adams. Oh, Amy Adams. Should have won an Emmy. God bless. Such a queen. So, um, Gone Girl had a $370 million budget on a $61 million, or they had a $370 million gross on a budget of $61 million, which is very wow. impressive. And it's actually um, Fincher's highest grossing film, which I thought was surprising, uh, in box office. Which, yeah, that is surprising, actually. Yeah, it, I think it overtook The Social Network or one of his other ones. <laughs> okay, actually, that makes sense. Yeah, cause How many people go are going to go out to see The Social Network? network. Yeah. Um, so the stars are Rosamund Pike, Ben Affleck, Tyler Perry, and Neil Patrick Harris. Tyler Perry is in that movie? Yeah, he plays, like, the, the, like, guy who's, like, I'm gonna save you, like, uh, Nick. Like, when he's, like, the lawyer. Maybe. I, I, it's been a while (laughs) since I watched this movie. So a little refresher for those of you who haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while. The plot is that Nick Dunn's wife, Amy Dunn, disappears in what seems to have been a violent struggle. Soon, Nick becomes the prime suspect in the investigation, and as evidence begins to mount against him, it looks worse and worse for him. But it is slowly revealed that everything is not as it seems. And there's a huge, huge plot twist in this movie. I'm not going to talk too much about the plot twist, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. So just beware of that. All right. So, where do I begin with Gone Girl? It's not a movie. It's an experience. Like, Yeah, and it's it's one of those... So, it's one of those stories that is talked about, like, a ton. Yeah. Because it it started out as as a book. And so, it's one of those kind of mom fiction-y kind of things, but it's actually good. Like, it's it's not like a Fifty Shades of Grey situation. It's like... Very much a true thriller. I remember this was scandalizing when it first came out. Um, yeah, Rosamund Pike was getting some serious, serious. heat for this movie. Yeah, so um, this was my second time watching this movie. I first watched it um, around uh, April 14th of 2019. So I'm going to read you the letterbox review I made back then and then talk about how um, things might have changed since then. So I said in my past letterbox review... 
David Fincher is truly a phenomenal director. Gone Girl was an excellent recipe for success from the beginning with, Gil- with Gillian Flynn's amazing storytelling and Fincher's clever directing. Not to mention the incredible acting from all of the cast. My favorite thing about this movie is knowing that there's probably so much I missed on the first watch that watching it the second time will be a whole new experience. And I was correct because watching it the second time is very interesting, knowing the twist and rewatching it. So I noticed a lot of subtleties in the plot that I was like, Oh, like, I totally missed that the first time. And one of these is that in the very beginning, when Amy and Nick first meet, it's very, like, her personality is very, like, sharp and witty and almost scripted. And, like, at first, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is, like, bad acting. Because it's, like, every line he says, like, she immediately has something to say right after. So yeah. it feels like she's just, like, reading a script and she knows exactly what she's going to say. And without knowing the twist, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, what's this movie like? But after watching the twist and, you know what what her motives are and who she is as a person uh, you're like oh like she's a good actor yeah yeah yeah. it's all subtleties yeah exactly the way she performed that it was literally it was like like she is like acting in a way like the character is acting so it's yeah. interesting to see like rosamond was playing a character who was also playing a character yeah and i feel like that's probably hard to like get across and i feel like what she was doing was she was feeling out, like, she was feeling about, see, like, what version, who am I going to play today? Like, who who am I going to be for this guy? Yeah. So she was being the cool girl, which is... So good. One of my favorite parts of the movie and of movies I've ever seen is, like, Amy's whole cool girl monologue because just the image of her driving down the road, her hair's in the wind, and she's just carelessly proclaiming, I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Like... Yeah, it's like... Oh, and this, like, relates so well to the femme fatale yeah. conversation because, like, she's so well aware. Oh, of, she's so well aware. Of how she can use the femme fatale to her advantage. Right. And so, like, the whole c- cool girl monologue is so relatable so as good. a woman because you see, like, that this is how you have to fit in. Right. And to your to your life. And then you yeah. realize that you don't want to fit in like that and you don't want to be that person. And so watching Amy do that, you're like... Wow. It's literally like, and I appreciate that while she's driving down the road, she's like, oh, like, what kind of girl you are, like, says, like, something about the kind of guy you date, and she's driving past all these girls, and she's like, you date a guy who likes, like, punk metal, and then, oh, this girl dates a guy who's, like, a hippie, and it's very interesting, because it's like, you do kind of see that in real life sometimes, and I think Amy really, you know, despite the flaws in her logic, eventually, I think she really got the nail on the head of, like, what it's like to be a woman. For sure. And, like, have to mend your personality. Is it Jillian or Gillian? I think it's G- Jillian Flynn. So, sorry, sorry, Mrs. Jill. Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so she writes these novels: Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, um, and then there's some other ones that yeah. I, I don't really know. But she writes these women characters that are so dynamic, and right. like even if the story isn't about being a woman, like Sharp Objects isn't exactly about that. Right. You still get those nice little like tidbits of like what it's like to have to fit into a role and how, you know, you're supposed to be seen either as a right. caretaker or as a wife or whatever it Under is. Under the male gaze. Exactly. To be. I really, it's so I good. I think she does femme fatales fantastically. So, well. so um, uh, Amy Dunn's understanding of the cool girl and men's psyche in general is what I think makes her such an excellent and, like, fleshed out character because... She's one where you go back and forth on. There's moments where you're like, oh, like, I get you, girl. Like, yes. 
And you're hearing every word she's saying as, like, gospel, but then minutes later you're like, wait, am I crazy because I, like, agree with her? Because then you see her do this outrageous stuff and you're like, ah, no, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this movie is filled with flawed characters overall, and that's what makes it so great. You can't just pick one character and, like, praise them because they're all so human and they all have their actions and their mistakes based on those actions. Amy's more of, like, the analytical type A, like, Aquarius-type character where she's, like, an entity almost rather than a person. Like, she's just this god-like thing that no one can touch. But Nick Dunn is the exact opposite, where, like, his sloppiness is what makes him human. Like, he's kind of, like, messy, and you see the parts of yourself that you don't necessarily love in Nick. But back going back to the topic, let's talk about what makes Amy the true femme fatale. So I think Amy Dunn is, like, the femme fatale. Like, she is, like, encapsulates yeah. everything. And she, and she does it correctly, like... Yeah, she and she's, like, the good and the bad parts. Right, it's not... She, she has a lot more depth than right. usual. They dug a lot deeper, and I think that, that it's a really good model for those who want to write femme fatales. So she's, like, cunning woman who lives and breathes contro- controlled chaos, and it's kind of all about the man, but when you dig deeper, it's not... Like, they give her a nice backstory, which gives her that depth. So, she's not only a femme fatale in the literal sense, because she kills a man, plans to kill another, and also plans to kill herself, but she also has a firm grasp on what society thinks of her, and I think that's a big part of the femme fatale. Because throughout the movie, a big theme is, like, the way news outlets and, like, outsider perspectives understand her story, and she kind of, like... She planned it. She planned the whole thing. She planned how society was going to see her. She planned, like, this is how I'm going to set this up. This is my murder scene. Like, this is all this stuff. And it led to her being able to control the way people told the story of her kidnapping. And it's always been her story. Yeah. The way she wants to be told. And I think it's interesting, too, like, talking about the news outlets, because it just goes to show you, like, even though this is a movie, like... In real life, the situation would be the same, where they would suspect the husband, Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't suspect that she would have planned any of this. Right. And so it kind of shows how unrealistic a femme fatale is in our Mm -hmm. society, you know? Like, femme fatales don't usually exist, Right. you know? Because that's another thing, like, what Big Little Lies does and what Sharp Objects does. It takes this image of the woman. They don't add anything, but they they play with society's perception more so of how they perceive women to be, like, innocent, like, you know. So, um... I, in the in the movie, they talk about how Amy's parents penned Amazing Amy, which is a series of books about her life growing up. But, like, they would always, like, write Amazing Amy, like, the way they wanted Amy to be. But, like, that was never who she was. So she always felt jealousy towards the character of Amazing Amy. And her plan to ruin her husband's life, in my opinion, was, like, the final rewriting of her story. Because she was like, forget this. I'm so sick of, like, my parents trying to tell me what to do. I'm writing my own narrative. I'm pulling in Eliza Hamilton. <laughs> and I think that's what makes her dangerous is because she has a clear, clear, clear motive. Like, it's not just like, mm, I hate men. Bah, I'm going to, yeah. like, you know. Like, she has, like, a motive from childhood that, like, carried and over. And that's hers. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not like she's just, like, I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not like about it's not about Ben Affleck's character right. at all, really. It's right. it's about her own trauma. And I think if you dig deeper into all femme fatales, you can find something like that. Like when you think about Cell Block Tango, like 
every single one of those girls, like, the way they killed their husbands on surface seems very superficial, but I'm sure if you dug deeper, you'd find, like, childhood trrauma. Yeah, like you would stuff. see the, the problems. You can follow it, and I think that's what Gone Girl does a good job of doing. And similarly to the to the bride from Kill Bill, as we were talking about earlier, Amy's a woman scorned. She doesn't value anything except for the idea of being in control and exacting revenge. So I think that's what, like, the hallmark sign of the most powerful femme fatales are, is, like, a disregard of their physical body and just a dedication to getting justice or whatever they think. Yeah, it's not is. about, like, it's using their physical being right. at, to an advantage right. to get what they, they personally want. It's funny, because all the, all the like, people who romanticize femme fatales usually romanticize, like, their physical appearance, but the actual femme fatale doesn't care about her appearance. She cares about what she's doing. Yeah, she cares about what she wants. Right, she doesn't care about what she looks like. She cares about what she can do. Which I think is just a super interesting way we've adapted that idea. But concluding the review, I think a good question to ask is, are Amy's actions as a femme fatale morally right? Which is, no, but are her motives and initial anger fully reasonable? In my opinion, yes. because Yeah, I think, like, she, you know, obviously don't kill people. Right, right. But on the other hand, you know, like, she didn't have an easy life, you know? And I think that goes not only just for Amy, but for, like, any woman, you know? Like, clearly there's been some problems and they haven't been addressed. Right, and I think she... She had this whole, like, notion, like you said, like, her life was kind of, her, like, she wasn't poor, she wasn't, like, struggling ever, but she had to compete with the character of Amazing Amy and, like, had this idea that she had to have a perfect life. So then when Nick comes and, like, jeopardizes everything by cheating on her and, like, he kind of ruins her life, so she's like, I'm done, I'm just gonna rewrite my life, like, it doesn't have to be Amazing Amy anymore. And is it perfect the way she decides to rewrite her story and save face? No. Does she take it too far? Absolutely. But do I understand why she did what she did and, like, why everything happened? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It makes sense. It does. So I give this movie a powerful five out of five stars. I think it's a classic. Powerful. I I love this movie. Well, what a review, Shannon. This is a great topic. We hope you enjoyed today's topic because we definitely did. Tune in next week. We'll be here next Monday at 2.30. We're the Flick Chicks. We hope you have a great night. Take it away, Frankie!